When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 68. Connor, 68, the Fabian Lysel episode. The Fabian Lysel preseason number episode. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. We are all kind of just sitting here waiting until the Bruins play again. It's another big, long break. I know. Kickoff action again. I've, I feel like I've grown 100 years in these. I'm now officially 18 years old. Pretty crazy uh, since the since the last uh, game. Pretty incredible. Um, you're now 45 years old, so good good for you. I know. Thank you. Good. Thank you for the belated birthday wishes. Well, I'm go- I'm at least glad that we don't have a, a Wednesday, Thursday back-to-back. I know. I think we recorded one before the Carolina game, and there was, like, I think the top comments, like, what the, what the fuck, guys? Why do you keep on doing this? <laughs> we have uh, sponsors and other factors outside of our control that uh, play into that, so we're not doing it just to spite people, by the way, of, like, we're intentionally going to miss a game and be uh, getting caught up on stuff. So uh, I'm thankful for that, but I am not thankful for another extended stretch of no games at all, which has been yeah. absolutely brutal. Yeah, we're just doing it to piss people off this yes, point. Oh, we exactly. missed last that, That's the game. purpose. And it's also good to have, you know, you, the listener, know that we're going to be out Monday, uh, Tuesday mornings or, or Thursday mornings. You know what day something's coming out, which is good, which is what you want. You're relying on uh, that, that, that download, uh, so to speak. Relying maybe is a little heavy of a word, I guess. Uh, maybe a bit much, but it's a hate listen. Who knows? Hate listen. Yes. Oh, I hate these guys. I have to listen. I mean, I, I'll admit, I hate watch a lot of things. I hate look at a lot of things. I'll, I'll hate something and just watch it. And then I get mad, but I'm like, I kind of enjoy being this. Served its purpose. This. Exactly. Yeah, it did. It, means it did. Maybe it made me feel better. I don't, I don't know. Um, anyways, first thing we will talk about today, uh, was the big news of the week. You had the tweet. Uh, it did very well, so congratulations to you. But obviously, it's not about you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I should mention that. Uh, but uh, the Bruins came out and said they watched the Kyle Beach interview together uh, as a team. Bruce Cassidy and Patrice Bergeron recommended they do it. They did it. It was very powerful. Brendan Carlo spoke about it. Jeremy Swayman spoke about it on Wednesday. Um, that's leadership. That is real, tangible leadership. That is what every team in the NHL should be doing is watching it as a team and denouncing it the way the Bruins have done it. Um, and I mean, you can sit there and, and, and praise the Bruins and we will, and we have, and they're a really good team. It's no secret. They have had great leadership for years. Um, 
But this seems like another level of like really good leadership out of them. I'm not, you know, a lot of teams have spoken out about this, but I haven't seen or heard of any other teams watching it together in the way the Bruins did. Well, I think it's just a positive development in terms of, you know, Bruce Cassidy mentioned that he watched it and he took the angle, you know, either as from a coach or from, you know, he said he put it in the shoes of like, you know, as a, a parent or someone where a kid heads off to college or they go off to junior, you hope, you know, as a parent, they're in safe hands in a safe environment. And that clearly was not the case with Kyle Beach and the multiple different systems that failed him. So that's why he wanted to, you know, uh, have guys watch it. But I think it was important also for Bergeron and those guys to say in the room, like we should watch it as a team because uh, I kind of mentioned it before, as much as we talk about the culture in hockey needs to change and, you know, there needs to be significant progress being made. Uh, there's, you know, the illusion of change in which you hand a bunch of, you know, fat cat front office people, their pink slips, or you fire coaches that were culpable for it. That's change. Yeah, of course. Like, no shit. That's what you should do when a, a thing of this magnitude happens. But for there to be actual change, I think it has to be coming from within the room, within players on the ice to, to foster a supportive uh, atmosphere, to be there for one another. And so for the Bruins to do that, and, you know, it's not just players speaking out, which I think is very important. You've seen that from multiple different teams, but to have that come from within the room to have it be a team-wide thing, not like one guy speaks out and be like, guys, like we need to get our shit together. If you see something, say something. Like that's a no-brainer. To have it, you know, be a team-wide um, initiative to, to all watch it and to talk about it um, and to have it be from, you know, guys like Bergeron talking about it to younger players like Jeremy Swayman talking about how important it was and the impact it had on him. Uh, that's, I think, a positive step in the right direction. And again, it's not like, the Bruins have gotten to the crux of what the issue is with hockey culture, right? It's just one step forward, but it's still a positive one when you look at um, taking, you know, it's not an individual approach. It's a team-wide approach from the players that are going to be on the ice, that are going to be the ones that I think are going to be the chief architects of kind of reworking and reshaping hockey culture to avoid a situation like this from ever happening again. And Taylor Hall spoke about this after the, uh, a game last week saying, you know, hockey is too much of an old boys culture. And, and you see that and you see it time and time again. And you're seeing it now with Bettman coming out and the press conference with Bill Daly and how big of just a dumpster fire that was of nothing of like, Oh, look, we've done stuff. And it's like, well, you're not really doing much. Um, I mean, the fact that you thought Joel Quenville could coach that night or, uh, the GM up in Winnipeg should keep his job. Um, it, it, it just, it, it blows your mind. And I think it's great that players are seeing this. Uh, you know, Alan Walsh uh, tweeted out, Alan Walsh loves to obviously kind of stir the pot, uh, but he tweeted out uh, earlier this week, you know, Batman should be gone. Uh, and obviously he's someone who's very direct and right to the point. But I think a lot of players probably feel something similar where it's like, there's got to be change. And, you know, you mentioned the Cassidy comments about, you know, kids going off to juniors. All these kids, most of them left home, whether it be for college, all of them for juniors, um, or some you know form of league leaving home, uh, you, you expect to feel safe. That's the biggest thing. And I think to see the raw emotion of Kyle Beach in that interview um, says it all. I mean, if you're not moved or touched from that, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I don't. I mean, that is, you know, that it, 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 it's incredible to see. And so uh, great to see the Bruins come out the way they have. Uh, makes you proud to, to be, the, you know, covering this team. Um, a good, a group of good guys. And we've known this for a while, but a, 
a good group of guys. And it it's a it's a leadership culture that's been strengthened for years. I mean, Chara helped uh, strengthen this years ago by not saying rookies. They don't they do not say rookies in that locker room. They don't haze the first year players. They don't not I mean, hazing is bad. But, I mean, not to like. No team like Hayes is badly, but they don't like yeah. send a guy out on the ice first or anything mm-hmm. like that. Who was it? Was it uh, Anaheim or the kid in Minnesota who went out on the ice first and like slipped on a puck? I think it was Minnesota. I think I blew a Minnesota. tire. Yeah, yeah, blew a tire. So they, the Bruins don't even put guys in that position. So um, props to the Bruins for this, uh, really setting the standard for the rest of the league and what and what guys should do. And I think a lot of teams look up to the Bruins in terms of leadership, especially guys like Bergeron, Shara back in the day, now Marchand. So uh, they obviously have a strong leadership crew, uh, credit to them, and it's great that they're taking the lead on something uh, like this. On to on-ice issues for the Bruins. They need to figure out the deep airs. <laughs> this is a legit issue that is plaguing this team, and I don't see a, a real um, fix. I don't see a fix in the personnel they currently have, which just makes me say, well, they're going to have to go out and get someone towards the trade deadline again. Um, is there a fix though? Do you, Connor Ryan, see a fix on D? Uh, oh, I mean, I think it's going to have to be internally for now, which isn't probably what some Bruins fans want to hear. And it's tough too, because, you know, I don't know if you, you don't sign Mike Riley and Derek Fulbert to those deals. I'm not saying they're albatross contracts, but three and three, you have them in your plans. You're not expecting to like then go shopping at the deadline for a Hampus Lindholm or one of these guys that you're looking at the way the team is set up now. And you're like, well, could kind of use one of those players, right? Like, uh, well, the ducks, the ducks are like Chuck full of defensemen who should be on other teams. Like, yeah, that, Man- those are guys Josh Man- like Man- Manson, like another one. Cam like, Fowler. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it's easier said than done when it comes to finding like that, that set, replacement there like if you were going to look at you know the last two uh seasons Matias Echo made plenty of sense because there was like a legit vacancy there where you're like all right we put up you know we put him with McAvoy you're good to go now Fulbert's in the mix uh Riley's in the mix uh it, it just makes it that much tougher right now you only kind of look at the way the roster is set up and more or less the only real like vacancy you could maybe address that like without having to move established contracts out of the way would be you know Clifton on that you know third pair right side where you know is that where you get like just a value pickup there that maybe stabilizes it but is that going to drat like let's say you know get like a Kevin Miller type like Kevin Miller when he was healthy was effective in that third pairing role uh is that going to drastically revamp the entire decor no it will help but you still have like you know whether it's you know, in a perfect situation, you'd like to have McAvoy and Grizzly out there all the time. I mean, look at, you know, I looked up the numbers uh, earlier. I think since 2018, the Bruins have a 501 to 303 edge in shots on goal when McAvoy and Grizzly are on the ice. That's pretty good. Not too you, bad. I would imagine Bruce Cassidy would be more than happy with keeping that pairing out there. The problem is, when you do that, you've got Fulbright with Clifton, who they've been scored against five times already. Not great. Not and, then, and then as much as I think... uh Riley and Carla were an intriguing pairing. You know, they had some promise last year. Haven't really done all that much this year. So you can't, you know, even of let's say McAvoy and Grizzly are a buzzsaw, you can't keep trotting them out there when you have so many other weak links elsewhere. So for right now, it seems like it's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. I, you know, I wrote something on uh, Wednesday about how Grizzly's more or less going to be their Swiss Army knife where, you know, he could be starting with maybe Carla to see if that's a fix, but 
they're trailing by a goal. You're going to see him with McAvoy. Like, I think he's going to be kind of put all over the ice to kind of see where he can best kind of put out a fire or help a need um, as needed, which is a good plus for the Bruins. And that, uh, you know, Cassidy has mentioned before that Grizzlick's usually up to that task. He doesn't really have any qualms about moving around, even though like most players, I think he would like to just be penciled into the lineup in one set spot every single game. Like it's not ideal, but uh, that seems to be what the plan is for right now. So whether that's, you keep Fulbert with McAvoy and you try to avoid, you know, keeping him Clifton, which hasn't worked, or you find a way to put Riley. Like right now it seems like Riley's going to be with Clifton, which, you know, could, could work, I guess. Like I think it's all about minimizing how much D zone reps they have there. And if Riley at least is able to get the puck out and you avoid kind of those draining D zone shifts where Clifton's kind of been put in a bad spot or he hasn't been able to kind of wipe out those scoring chances, it helps you out, but it's not, you know, there's it, it's not like the most optimistic uh, outlook where it's like, all right, you're missing like a guy that's on IR and he's waiting to come back and it's going to, you know, help you out quite Chris a bit. Like, this is, yeah, exactly. Like this is kind of the, the group, the group that you have here. It's about finding out where those pieces best fit. But even if, you know, it ends up working out and like Fulbert and McAvoy are okay, Grizzlick and Carlo, like you still look at just the personnel and you're like, all right, were they still missing one piece, which, uh, the Bruins hope that's not the case, but I mean, who knows? We could be looking at this team, even if they're doing very well, which I imagine they do rebound. Uh, but we could be looking at them in March and seeing Lindholm, one of those guys, and it's the same old Ekholm kind of run through all over again. So, I mean, that's the way it kind of looks for right now, barring a guy like Fulbert really settling down or, or Clifton kind of stabilizing his, his game. So it's a bit of a wait and see approach, but for Bruins fans who have been probably just stewing about looking at the state of this decor over the last, what feels like five weeks based on how long it's been between games. Uh, it's not, not ideal, not great. Yeah, no, not great. And you mentioned Riley Clifton. That would be an experience that, I, that I, I can almost say with certainty that that, that pair would not work out just given, I mean, again, you know, I think Riley's good. I, it's not that I'm saying he's bad. I just think he is, should always be paired with a defensive guy. I think Riley is someone who uh, can create a lot of opportunity. Not much so far. Only has a point in seven games. Riley's yeah. been a guy who you've really wanted more out of. Has not given you much um, through seven games. But he's a guy who's going you know, to turn the puck over sometimes. And, you know, going to have, you know, miss D zone assignments uh, in his own zone. So is Connor Clifton. So I think when you have those two together, I think it is a little bit scary. Um, and if they were your third pair, I think you'd really have to kind of manage those minutes, uh, micromanage those minutes, um, especially if Grizzlick's moving up and down the lineup, which I think you're right. I think that is eventually, I mean, that is what's going to happen um, with Matt Grizzlick. Safe to say, Grizzlick's a pretty good bet to be a, a, a solid Swiss Army knife. The guy can kind of do a lot. Uh, but when we're talking really safe bets, uh, Connor, tell the listeners about the place for safe bets. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back. The B's and C's are back on the ice in the parquet, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why do you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. These guys have been in the business for a long time, and they know their stuff. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sportsbook that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. And they will walk you through setting up an account. 
Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. So join now. Check out the multiple offers they have on the table, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit when you use promo code BSJ. That is promo code BSJ. Evan, no one beats that. That per sources, this is what they're saying, right? The, the, the sources. I can't name the sources, but they are saying that. They are saying that. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Again, enter promo code BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. BetUS.com, where the game begins. The game beginning. I can tell you what's not a safe bet. Uh, I am, it's Movember. I've never grown facial hair before, ever. I always, I always just shave. And granted, I don't know. I most people would say, "Well, you can't really grow it," and you'd be correct. Got him. Um, but I, 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 I got it myself on that one. But I am trying to grow, see what comes of a mustache. Um, I'm gonna give it a shot. It's November. It's an important cause. I'm gonna give it a shot. It's gonna look probably horrendous. Remember Sidney Crosby back in like the late 2000s? Yeah, it was, uh, was like playoff mustache it was awful. So Not hopefully, great. if it gets. If it gets to that point, I think we're going to have to take it off. Just going to have to do it. But I'm going to try my best. there a little bit. But yeah, you know at what? some point, God's you can't let it get him. too far. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give it my all. Um, here's a bet that I don't know if is really safe, um, but it's come to fruition. Charlie Coyle has been good. Charlie Coyle is currently tied for, I believe, third on the team in points with five. Yes, or tied for second, actually, with Taylor Hall and David Pasternak. Actually, I didn't expect Hall to be second, but um, tied for second in five points. Three goals, two two assists. He's been good. You've gotten a lot out of him. He's looked good on the second line. Shout out to me, by the way. I picked him up in fantasy. I picked him up. I drafted him. It was like last round pick in fantasy hockey, um, which actually I'm enjoying this year because I can watch all the games on ESPN+. Plus. Not a sponsor. Um, but I did pick up. He's been good. So I've seen firsthand how good he can be. Um, but it's, it's not just points. It's, it's kind of this whole package deal because his knee is fixed. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. what happens when a guy plays and he's not injured. Um, what have you seen past just the goal scoring? Yeah, I think for him, the most promising thing is he's kind of getting back to his strengths. I mean, we've talked about it before that last year, it wasn't just the fact that Coyle wasn't producing. He just kind of didn't have that same you know, trademark kind of coil game where even though he wasn't maybe racking up points, he was still holding on to the puck, extending ozone possessions, really kind of bullying past opposing skaters. You didn't really see that much last year. You're seeing it a bit more. And I think maybe the most encouraging thing is, you know, he's never going to be a guy that I think is going to really pepper the net or really get a lot of shots on goal, but he does seem to be uh, a lot more comfortable in the ozone in terms of taking kind of those, that initiative and taking those shots. Now, granted, I think maybe he was helped out a bit by the fact that he moved, he moved over to wing when Craig Smith was out, which you always kind of get concerned. I mean, I think maybe the most encouraging thing for Coyle in terms of producing points early is that it hasn't really been like a, an easy kind of just jumping into this second line role, right? Like Smith is hurt. So then he's pushed to the wing. It's not like Taylor Hall has really been on fire to start the year. So it wasn't like, you know, he was just put into the spot and he had two guys that were firing on all cylinders. He's just racking up, you know, secondary assists or what have you. Like, I think a lot of it's, uh, incumbent upon him to, you know, get shots on net, which when he was on the wing and then bumps back over to center and looked pretty solid there. And I think, uh, even Craig Smith at maybe 80% helps out that line quite a bit where he's such a volume shooter that sometimes for both Coyle and Hall, all you need to do is kind of 
hold on to the puck, you know, generate that ozone looks. And again, Smith will pretty much shoot it from anywhere, which even if it doesn't go in, it's creating rebounds, it's creating chances. And for a, a Bruins team that I think you saw quite a bit during that recent lull where they played Florida and, Florida and Carolina, uh, a lot of their struggles offensively was just not getting shots through, like, you know, not getting rebounds, not getting kind of grade A chances. So a guy like Smith helps out quite a bit there. But uh, in terms of Coyle's own individual game, uh, yeah, great step in the right direction for him early on in terms of just being more assertive. Um, you have to imagine that if he keeps with it uh, sooner or later, you know, Craig Smith's going to start parting goals. You have to imagine that Taylor Hall, as you said, I'm kind of surprised he's tied for second in points. It's been a very quiet, whatever it is, five points for him to start the year. So um, you have to imagine he heats up as well. So again, for Coyle, it's not about, changing his game or doing anything crazy. But if he plays to the level that we saw from him, let's say in 2018, 2019 and Hall and Smith pick up their games just by playing his game, Coyle could, you know, wind up with 50, 50 ish points. Like that's just the town, the guys around him and he's playing uh, like he's complimenting those guys once they start finding their game as well. You know, it's so funny. We look at advanced stats so much and we're so ingrained in like the natural stat tricks and such that we almost miss or forget like the simple stats sometimes. Like I didn't realize, as you said, I didn't realize Taylor Hall was second on the team. Yeah. I, was like, yeah, I just think he has two goals in seven games. That's what I just kind of always go yeah. back to. Um, you're right though. Coyle's had a very, uh, you would, if, if, if before the season you had said, if someone came to you and said, Hey, you're going to guess how many points Coyle has in the first seven games, but let me tell you the scenario. He's on the first, he's on the second line as center for a bit. Then Craig Smith gets hurt. He's pushed to the wing. You think, well, geez, it's been a really tough start. Hopefully he kind of finds his game yeah. over the next 10 games. But as you said, he's been great. He's been, you know, everything you've really wanted out of that position. Um, I mean, you can't be mad with what you got. So as you said, I mean, for hopefully for him, he continues on this route of just kind of producing. And as we've said all year, you don't need a ton. You don't need 60 points. You just need him to get 45 to 55 points and you're chilling and you need, you know, Taylor Hall to score and, and produce and you need Craig Smith. If you can get 25 goals out of Craig Smith, I mean, he's been hurt. So obviously him kind of getting healthy again and getting back into a rhythm will help. Um, but yeah, I mean, can't be mad with what you got from Coyle thus far. Um, but one guy who God, God forbid I say this, uh, has not, don't been, worry. It's uh, only video and audio. So we can't yeah. keep this for, for record keeping. <laughs> no. You can't keep this for the record. Um, Patrice Bergeron, zero goals in seven games. Now, goals are not everything. Goals are not everything. This is not like when Charlie McAvoy had... Z- was it 2019-20? This feels like 20, year, you know, 20 yes, years ago. Yes, I, f- I think it was 2019-20. It was, because I think I remember him scoring an OT goal. I think it's the Blackhawks. Chicago. His first yeah. goal of the year. Yeah. In like February. So, yes. It was... Uh, it, it, it feels like a million years ago because of COVID, but in 2019-20, McAvoy had no goals through... Uh, it must have been like, what, 60 games or something? It was a long long streak um and people that oh you know he's bad because of this well no not not necessarily he's a defenseman so it's different uh but Bergeron does have zero goals through seven games only three points um not indicative of everything he's had some chances but definitely need a little more out of Bergeron yeah and I think you know Bruce Cassidy more or less echoed that where I don't think they're hitting the panic button you know it's not like oh his game's you know lost a step or two. Like I, you know, I think it's a byproduct of many things. I think, uh, you know, Cassidy mentioned that the underlying numbers look good. They're still generating a lot of chances. So some of it's puck luck. I think Cassidy said they've hit the post more than any other team in the NHL. I mean, Marshall almost has that puck. Is that, that a rings stat? Up. 
I think there's there's got to be. Or also, don't forget, like we only have what we have. Who knows what league front like with these front office stat people have? Like we don't even have an idea of some of the stuff they have. Unless they're all. It was like who is it that just signed like a contract? It was like a guy on like Buffalo, and they had like the picture of him like signing the contract, and someone's like, wait. Do they have cap friendly on? And like the GM's like computer screen had cap friendly on in the background. Did they really? So, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I miss. I totally missed I, that. That's I want to awesome. say it was Buffalo. Maybe I'm just thinking it's Buffalo because that'd be the most Sabers shit ever to have just cap friendly on in the background. Like double checking. Cap friendly's cool. Cap friendly's great. <laughs> like double checking before you like like print out fax the the thing to the agent to sign off to make sure they have enough cap room. But um, so I mean, I'm sure there's gonna be some metric that measures that, but um. So there's a byproduct of that. There's, you know, power play where I think Bergeron, especially recently, has gotten a lot of his production from. Um, it seems like teams have made a, a pretty uh, focused effort on taking him away from that power play. And by taking away the bumper, not only do you prevent him from getting those looks in the slot that he usually buries, but also you're taking away kind of the seam through the slot that usually leads to a possible rock one timer. So if you were to map out, the best strategy to try to slow down the Bruins power play. It's probably that of, you know, draping a lot of guys over Bergeron in the bumper and trying to limit just how many options they have. So I think that factors into it, but uh, it's kind of the same thing as McAvoy. Like has Bergeron been as, as good as maybe he's been in years past? No, I think he's, he's got a lot more to give, but it's not worth hitting the the siren yet. Cause he's still doing a lot of things. Well, he's still winning face-offs. He's still a great two-way player. That line is still generating looks, you know, like, Again, let's see what happens when they play Detroit, who's, you know, I think missing Lockin and a few other guys. I'm going to say this now. They're going to lose to Detroit because they always lose to Detroit, even when they were really bad. But, like, I feel like we're also due for one of these games where, like, a natural stature we look afterwards and there are, you know, a 3-0 edge and goals scored, you know, a 65% shot share. Like, I feel like that's coming one of these days. Like, they've also, granted, have been playing against Florida with Bobrovsky, who's unconscious, and Carolina, who is smothering teams, like, on both ends of the ice. So, uh, and it's also tough to draw a lot from these numbers because they played so few games. Like, you, you know, it's Still like, Bruce seven Gass- games. like when Bruce Cassidy talks about the performance of Olmark and Swayman, he can only really say so much because they just don't have a set sample size. Like, you can say these guys are going in the right direction, how they're building off one game to another, but you don't have enough of a body of work yet to even start to chart out you know, reps for those guys or like a, a narrative of how they're playing this year. Like they're still getting their feet wet. So uh, I think some patience needs to be preached in terms of where Bergeron kind of falls in, but uh, you hope for him. It's just about, uh, you know, a PK finally leaks a bit and you get a, a you know, a great a shot from the slot and it kind of goes from there. I think that's what you need. Cause again, Bergeron's overall production usually isn't tied into straight goals, what have you, but you like to at least see some of that baseline production, you know, sort itself through, especially when you're not getting a lot of proven production right now, at least from that top line and the power play. Yeah. And the other thing is like, again, Bergeron's on the, on the power play with the bumper and, and, and kind of being in the high slot for tips, you know, has been something that he, that didn't just pop up this year. Last year he's been doing for, you know, since Bruce Cassidy got here. Um, so it's a matter of time until teams kind of shut that down. So it's going to be finding that next thing, you know, that Bergeron can be impactful on, which I think is, this is a similar area. I mean, you don't want Bergeron down there digging for pucks, not really a net front presence, you know, would you want him at the point? Probably not. I don't, I, I'm not for like overhauling the whole thing. It's seven games. Yeah. As you said, it's funny though. you mentioned the scheduling thing. I noticed this when I'm writing about college hockey teams too. A lot of college hockey teams 
have been in weird schedule groups so they've only played like six games or just a few and it's like Yo, when I'm writing about these teams, you have to preface, like, it's only been a few games. Like, yeah. like when I was writing about Harvard and Cornell today, I was like, they've only played like two real games, <laughs> but it's just weird. It's just, it's, it's odd. I don't know what, maybe like that's a new, like, uh, storyline in the simulation now. Like teams have really weird schedules. Um, but yeah, Bergeron, n- not panic time for sure. Not panic time. Um, but you just need some more. You just need a little bit more production out of Patrice Bergeron before we go though. I do want to discuss this is off the cuff. This is not in the pre-show planning. You know, know we spend hours, we spend, we spend hours planning this show, folks. Hours. We sit in meetings and drawing board. Production meeting. Work. Yeah. We do story. Yeah. We do a storyboard, which is our two face, our two dopey faces, <laughs> like with different like reactions of like. Oh, yeah. really? No, we should start doing for, you know, how, like a lot of like, uh, clickbaity YouTubers will have reaction, uh, thumbnails where they'll be like, like we should start doing that for thumbnails for like uh you know Jack Eagles with the Bruins. Well, that's like what half the time I always crack up when I see the thumbnails because you're just my dopey face from Twitter like drinking a Dunkin', which like <laughs> yeah. is it's like uh, someone shared like I think it was like Bleacher Report shared the tweet I had about Kahlo talking about you know all them watching the Kyle Beach thing, which was you know great quote from him. But it's like this like very somber quote, and it's me <laughs> drinking a fucking Dunkin' coffee and like in the picture. I'm like I should probably change that, but. I, that's you know. like that's like the peak I have. I'm not gonna like. I don't know what else is the best way to like. You know, I'm not doing a professional headshot here. We're not. No. No. So. No. But maybe it, we'll do that in case we have to do another thumbnail when Ackel gets traded to the the Bruins. Which I assume what you're gonna lead with is that yeah, he's not that gonna get traded thing. to the Bruins. But <laughs> no, my thing was where he was gonna get traded to. But it's funny you mentioned that you're. I, I see. I think my profile picture on Twitter is a little more dopey. It's like, you know, standing there with the, with the mic, just with like the meme face, um, which I, I did, I have not changed it. That's since like 2019. I was a sophomore in college when that picture was taken. Um, but it's never changing. That'll be there until I'm like 47 years old. Um, but that's what it is. It's funny. Cause, uh, Turner is like, Oh, we'll get you professional headshots. And I'm like, no, you won't. No. <laughs> that picture is never changing. Um, but what I, what I was going to mention was that, um, Jack Eichel seems to be the, the as Emily Kaplan put uh, either yesterday or today. Uh, the trade is at the one yard line for either the Flames or the Vegas Golden Knights. Now Kevin Weeks recently tweeted, um, "For all asking, my understanding is the Flames have uh, Matthew Kachuk, an upcoming first round pick, a former first round pick, and two prospects in the Eichel sweepstakes. That's way too much. That is yeah, way too much. That that is a ton." Um, for a guy who's probably not even going to play much this year, who's injured, uh, and is going to a new team, that's you, you'd a lot. like want him. Wouldn't you want him to like be with Kachuk? Like this is the problem where like I feel like you know Adams is holding out, and like if I'm Adams, I probably I take that contract. Like oh no shit, yeah, right. Like so that's what he's been waiting for is like to get bowled over by contract. Like that's when you see and you're like oh we go on like you know Bruins Reddit and it's like you know potential Eichel offers like well it's got to be Stanika and you know Ervac and Einan. And I'm like guys like you got to give to get like even if he's injured like how about Jack uh, Edwards say- shouting out the Bruins Reddit. I was rattled. I did not know that he was frequenting <laughs> that site, which apparently that means I'm not on Bruins Reddit that much either, because apparently he had like a an AMA and did all this stuff for it. But uh, yeah, I, no, I, like, I, I don't go on much. Yeah, if you look at like you know Buffalo, they're rating it bowled over. Like that's the kind of offer that they would take. But now you look at it from Calgary's side, and you're like, all right, like is that helping out the team? And like again, I think Ico would help out that team quite a bit. They're playing well. 
Um, I'm not sure how thrilled the NHL is about having a potential, you know, American born franchise center if he's healthy over in Calgary, but I think they've got bigger shit to worry about right now, the NHL. So yeah, they maybe can, they can <laughs> deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, right now it makes sense in terms of Calgary going after him. Like you look at Vegas too, they're in the mix, but it seems like Vegas is following the course that I think a lot of other teams are of like, you know, Buffalo really doesn't have that much leverage here. So we're going to keep on shortchanging them until they maybe bite on it. Because I met, I saw one where it was like, you know, a lot of first round picks and like some of their younger players like Peyton Krebs, which makes sense, right? You'd imagine Buffalo doesn't want kind of a building block uh, or like a, a guy who's 24, 25 now, if they're going to have a long rebuild or, or even older than that. Um, but then I saw other ones where it's like, oh yeah, they trade like Chase Theodore. I'm like, why is Vegas moving that guy? He's pretty good. Like, again, like Vegas doesn't have a lot of top centers, but there's also a team where you're going to trade Theodore and get Eichel back maybe with a team that should be good, but also you're missing a boatload of guys, right? Everybody. Like it's, yeah, everyone's hurt. Like, and again, they could all come back. Uh, and we look at that team by March and April and they're a wagon, but it's a lot of risk if you're moving a guy like Theodore in the process. Like, uh, so it all depends on, I think, which team ends up wooing uh, Kevin Adams with that offer. But it seems like right now it has to be Calgary, which good luck, Calgary, if you want him. Like, I think he's a, I think Eichel's a great player, as I've said on this podcast many a times. But if you're moving Kachuk in the process, like, sheesh. Isn't that cancel out in some way? Like, kind of? I mean, like, I think Eichel's a better player, but it's not, you know, it's like, tra- yeah, it's those are the guys you want to keep alongside Eichel to, to get the most out of that overall product, right? Like it's not, you know, it's moving to get another defenseman, moving out like two or three guys in your middle six in the process. Like how much does that offset the value you gain from getting a guy like Eichel? So who knows, man? I mean, that Calgary team also, I feel like they're playing well right now, but that's a team that feels like every year they're teetering on the edge of like, should we just blow it up? Like we've got, you know, they've had other guys that have stepped up this year, which maybe changes that narrative a bit, but you wonder like how much that is a, a long-term kind of setup for success there for Eichel and whether or not, I mean, granted Eichel's still locked in that contract, so he doesn't really have much of a say in where he goes in terms of Calgary, but. Have fun in Calgary, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So it's all, that's quite the departure from Vegas. I mean, he gets to go to Banff National Park, I guess, but I don't know if Eichel's a, I don't know if Eichel's a new Swayman and he's a big outdoorsman. So. Well, for the NHL, I mean, obviously it stinks, but you do get McDavid versus Eichel many times a year kind of bolsters that rivalry. So maybe that's good for Western Canada. Don't know about the rest of the United States and everywhere else. I mean, Calgary did give a boatload of money to Blake Coleman and they, you know, they want to keep Goudreau and there's all these things. Maybe this is the thing that doesn't, maybe they're like the Atlanta Braves. Every year I feel it was the same with the Braves, right? It was like, Oh, blow it up, blow it up, blow it up. And then they win the world series. So maybe this is Calgary's year. Is it Calgary's year? Maybe it's Calgary's year. Who knows? The, the uh, first team to break the, the streak of non-Canadian teams, not, That'd be hilarious because it's like yeah. Calgary, you know, like, yeah. like if it, it's not really that significant. Um, by the way, I'm looking at the Pacific division standings right now. Shout out to Seattle in last place. Most game or uh, second most games played last place. So rest in peace to them. Uh, it's almost like they're not being able to score. It's almost like that's hurting. Them. <sighs> that's crazy. I can't believe I never would have seen that coming. Yeah, they, have to put Ron, they have to put Ron Francis in the, the hot dog costume from, <laughs> I think you should leave. Like we're all trying to find out who did this. <laughs> the guy who did this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to do that. 25 goals in 10 games. That's not going to get it done. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. That'll do it. Uh, anyways, uh, that is today's episode of Poke the Bear. We went off the rails at the end there. Um, what can the people look forward to over at Boston Sports Journal? 
Well, uh, we'll finally have some games to dissect and comb over. Uh, so we'll have that, you know, recap, uh, analysis from those matchups. Obviously, the Bruins play Toronto on Saturday, which is always entertaining theater. Um, it's been a while since they've actually played Toronto, and there's been quite a few changes for both teams since then. We get to see old friend Nick Ritchie, Andre Kasha. So uh, we'll see how that goes. So we'll have all that, you know, immediate reaction uh, breakdowns. We have a piece running on Thursday morning about the Bruins power play, what's been good, what's been bad. A lot of it's been kind of bad uh, through the first seven games of the season. So all that will be over at BSJ. So uh, subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com. You want to follow me on Twitter. You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest every day. day.